Hey, it's Tuesday. The new episode of Two Degrees Hotter is out. It's my favorite Gen Z lifestyle and self-development podcast. I'm on my way over. Let's listen to the latest episode. What is up, people? It is bright and early. (laughs) 7.47 on a Friday morning. And here we are. Recording for you. This is my – well, it initially was my fault, but then it ended up working out that this time worked better for both of us. Yeah. We just had like chaotic reschedules and it came down to this was really the only convenient time. So here we are. Yeah. Which we've recorded in the morning before. I feel like we just don't have the same (laughs) (laughs) because we both just rolled out. Yeah, we just rolled out of bed. I literally have not had like a sip of tea or anything yet. So no. forgive us if our no. brains are moving a little bit slowly, but I think we'll I think we'll still make this a great episode for you guys. For sure. And honestly, recording like first thing in the morning is a good if it's gonna fit for any episode, it's this episode talk topic because we're talking about work. And mm-hmm. we're recording in the morning because we're working girls and we, we need are. to we need to log on to our little laptops at nine. So yeah, we're gonna get real about career, share some of our hot takes on like career life, having a job, mm-hmm. nine to five, all that fun stuff. Uh, and then talk about some ways to like navigate difficult work situations or conversations. Because uh, I think I I don't think it's wrong to assume that a lot of our listeners are in the same life stage as us. And now that we've, you know, been out of college and working for a couple of years is when we actually start to face some like challenges at work. You're up for promotions, mm-hmm. you're up for raises, all of that fun stuff. You might be switching careers, whatever it may be. Um, now I feel like the first couple of years of your job, everyone's just like, they're a baby. Like they don't know what yeah. they're doing. Just give them tasks and they'll be fine. <laughs> and now is when like rubber starts to hit the road in some cases. So we figured it was a good time to bring it up. Yeah. This is when like you actually start, I feel like owning a lot of your like work streams and, and that kind of, oh, I just hit my mic. Um, and that kind of stuff. So Hopefully yeah. we can kind of give you a good framework to think about if you unfortunately have to have a difficult conversation at work, but it's inevitable. Like I would say yeah. difficult does not always mean bad. Sometimes it can bad. be getting yeah closer to the, the things you want, um, but sure. sometimes it's just you can have tension and it's never fun to have to uh, you know have like a super formal high pressure yeah. conversation about something. So hopefully we can kind of give you the tools to do that, but I'm excited about our hot takes. I feel like I feel like I didn't realize how many of these I had before I started like listing them out. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and also I'm Anya, by the way, if you're new here. Oh, yes. I'm Kylie. Hello. We never do like a if you're new here kind of spiel. But if you are new here, we make episodes every Tuesday about all things young adulthood, self-development. Yeah. Living. Lifestyle. You know the vibes. Living. So. <laughs> live it just living that's our you know, slogan how to survive on this floating rock of ours yep so stick around hit that hit that subscribe button what am i a youtuber please um there is there are subscribe buttons though we w- won't have any way of knowing that you hit it but we yeah. still want you to hit it that is an interesting fact that i bet people don't know is that like we can only really have insight into our listens we have no insight into our subscriptions but that does not mean 
not to subscribe because it means you'll yeah. get notified when we put out a new episode. Yeah. True. Anyways, let's get into our week in review. So I just feel like this has been like a chaotic week in general. Like something something's off in the in the air. I mainly wanted to talk about a, a like adult money moves <laughs> that I've been making. <laughs> um, so I talked about how one of my goals for this year was to be better about my savings and about like my finances. Mm-hmm. And I don't even mean necessarily be better about actually saving. I, I mean, I do mean that, but I also mean that I had built up a decent amount of savings that I know weren't like, it wasn't being handled responsibly. Like it wasn't really like doing anything productive. I wasn't sorting it into like good categories. It wasn't being invested. Like I was like, I just have this like huge lump sum of savings that I'm not doing anything with. And that's like not a smart position to be in basically. Um, And a lot of that is like definitely privilege from being able to live at home during COVID and like work full time Mm -hmm. during that time. So I'm not like out here toting like I'm the best saver ever. Like look at my huge savings. It's like I literally lived at home during COVID for 15 months and had no expenses. So I just need to figure out, you know, what to do about that. And um, I had met with a financial advisor like a couple times over the years that was affiliated with just like my bank. And mm-hmm. he was like fine, but it was weird. I felt like he like couldn't really give me the advice that I wanted. Cause like every time I actually asked him like a question about his recommendation, cause like I'm very much a like default to the experts in their field type of person. Like mm-hmm. when it comes to like car stuff, it's like, yes, I could learn how to do it or how it works, but I'd rather just, you know, pay this person who's an expert and this is like their whole job to like, you know, do a good job. And I just kind of have that approach with like a lot of things is like, let the experts be experts and listen to their knowledge and whatever. So, um, yeah, like I was hoping that this guy would just like be an expert. And I felt like whenever I asked him for specific direction, he would be like, well, I can't really tell you what to do, but, and I was like, well, I kind of, you're like a financial advisor. I thought that was like your whole spiel, like (laughs) giving me recommendations on what to do. You're not really advising me right now, you know? Um, and it was fine. I kind of like dropped it. And then, My boyfriend had this kind of, I guess he's just like an old friend. He actually went to our high school, but he was a few years above me. So I never really knew him. Um, And he's a financial advisor and he's like 28 probably. Um, And so I ended up meeting with him and it's just been like so much better. Like it's been like such a Mm -hmm. game changer to meet with someone that's like our age. So just like kind of gets like the life situation that you're in and like what your priorities are and um, like that kind of stuff. And I feel like he's been really good at like breaking down, like, these are the short-term things you should be thinking about. These are the medium. These are the long-term. And like, he literally gave me kind of like a proposal basically of like what to do with my money. And I could like ask questions and he would like explain stuff to me. And I was like, this is what I wanted. Like I wanted someone to actually advise me (laughs) on what to do. Yeah. Um, So that's been really helpful. And so I'm like, we haven't, um, we had like a bunch of initial meetings to like get everything set up. And now we're kind of doing like the logistics of like me switching over to them as like, like their finance, like the institution that he works for and stuff. Um, So I'll keep you guys posted, but it's nice to, it's nice to feel like you can have like more financial literacy in like a trusted way. And like, I can ask like dumb questions and he can explain them to me. And like, they're not actually dumb. Like a lot of people don't know these things. And so yeah, yeah, love a, Love a working with an expert to to make yeah. your life easier. So 
So if you're true. in a similar situation, just know that's an option. You know, I mean, I'm sure plenty of people could like learn this stuff on their own, but it was just like, clearly I was not motivated. Like I had, I've had years <laughs> since I lived at yeah. home and was never motivated to like take those extra steps and figure things out for my own. So know that it's mm-hmm. an option if you're in a similar boat to talk to someone that knows more. And I'm glad I did. So yeah. For sure. I told Anya I'd be interested in meeting with this guy. So stay tuned. Maybe he will become TDH approved. Please. <laughs> He's not my favorite. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. That would be funny. A couple like, weeks my from favorite now, we both is make him. First name, last name, financial advisor at, here's his address and his social security number. <laughs> yeah. Um, his phone number. Yeah. Please. Great guy though. Great guy. <laughs> yeah. Great guy. Uh, for me, I mean, Valentine's Day was this past week. Like mm-hmm. we said, we're recording on Friday, so Valentine's Day was on Tuesday. Uh, and this is my first year having a Valentine's, so that's yay! That's a that's great. Good for me. Love a win. Um, I was saying though, not to. I don't mean to sound mean. You know those TikToks that are like, I don't mean to sound mean, and it shows like you're rolling up the car window or you're like shutting the door, getting ready for like. No, tea session. I actually haven't seen that. Oh, <laughs> they're funny. Um, but I was talking to some friends and I was like, how is it that some people post a different guy every Aww, single year for true. Valentine's Day? And it took me 25 whole years to get one. I was, well, I was like, I think I said this actually at another year, like when we were recounting Valentine's Day, a different year of the podcast. But I always – like find out about couples that I didn't know existed on Valentine's Day. I feel like like everyone. Yes, there's a lot of hard or soft launches. I guess however you look at it, um, taking place for sure. Either that or I, f- I genuinely feel like again, no tea, no shade, but I feel like I find out more so that couples broke up and have when moved they on don't to post other relationships. No, mm. when they post like a new person. Mm, yeah, you know what I mean. Like someone that you're like, oh, the last time I talked to them, they were dating this person. Then all of a sudden, they date. They're posting a different guy on Valentine's Day, and I'm like, wait a minute, mm-hmm. they've been broken up at least long enough to move on. I don't know. I'm not. This isn't any like. I really don't. I mean it more so in like a joking way towards myself because it's like clearly people could very much find relationships that they were happy enough to post about on Valentine's Day, uh, and I couldn't for 25 years. But we did it now. Um, so yeah, I was talking to my friends about that and they were like, eh, well, would you rather have had a bunch of shitty Valentines and then like one that's good true. one this year? And I'm like, yeah, that's a fair point. But anyways, rant aside, uh, we went and saw Hamilton in Boston on Valentine's Day and it was really good. It was You really uh, good. stole my thunder on this one, I will say. I I did, and I didn't mean to. It was like uh, because I think I had told you that I was looking at tickets with my friend M, mm-hmm. and nothing ever like uh came of it. And then she texted me literally like five days before Valentine's Day, and was like, "I have four tickets to Hamilton." Her and her boyfriend were going. She was like, "Does do you and Zach want to go?" And so I texted Zach and was like, "Do you want to go?" And he was like, "Yeah." So that's kind of it. Like came about very like. Yeah. Randomly. I don't actually care. Yeah. Just, just for context, um, I like have had – I'm going in March and I've had tickets since December. Yeah. So it's just funny. Like I'm like, yeah. you beat me to it. <laughs> hmm But don't but spoil I it. I won't say too much. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say – I'm not going to say too much other than it was very, very good and you're mm-hmm. going to enjoy it. Because Anya and I saw Hamilton on Broadway last year 
Uh, no. For the year before that, I think. The year before that. Mm-hmm. We saw Hamilton on Broadway. <laughs> I was like, wrong. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, it was phenomenal. So yeah, I'm excited to hear. We can actually talk a little bit more about the details once you've seen it. But yeah, if you've been thinking about getting tickets and you can swing the hefty prices because they are a bit he- steep, uh, not like are Broadway they? level steep. Do you feel like it's because it was last minute or just in general? I don't know because I I actually don't know when these tickets were purchased. It was last minute for me, mm-hmm. but like they bought four tickets and two other people were supposed to go with them mm-hmm. and those two people ended up not being able to go and that's how I – like Zach and I swung in. Um, but yeah, so I don't, I don't know how far in advance these tickets were actually bought, mm-hmm. but that's the word on the street is that they're pretty expensive. So mm-hmm. anyways. Pay for the arts, you know? Support the arts. Yeah. Yeah, we and we're we're Hamilton girlies at the end of the day. Got to go back to our roots, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was thinking it's like it's crazy how long Hamilton has like now been a thing in my life. Obviously, it's been out for longer than this, but I feel like I got into it in like 2015, 2016. Yeah. And I'm like, it's so crazy that that's now like seven. Yeah. Seven eight years ago. What? <laughs> well, and I was trying to explain to Zach because he was like. So first of all, he thought we were seeing the original cast at, in in Boston. Please. I was like, wrong. I was like, you can't even see the original cast in New York. And he was like, what do you mean? Like, what is the original cast doing? And I was like, they've moved on to other projects. He was like, why would they move on to other projects when they could do Hamilton? And I was like, because Hamilton's been on Broadway for eight years now. Like, that's yeah. a long time. And he was like, it has not been on Broadway for eight years. I was like, it literally has. It premiered Looking in 2015. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was like, oh, he was like, I would never leave Hamilton if I was cast in Hamilton. I was like, well, are they opened many doors for these people? That's <laughs> like, true. Yeah. That's actually so true. Like movies and um, yeah. I saw that Philippa, is it Sue or so? I never know. Um, I think Sue. She's starring in an upcoming movie about, yeah. it's like a, it's a Taylor Jenkins Reads book, right? Yeah. One True Loves. So. Yeah. Which Crazy. I have. I need to read it, but I do own it. Yeah, that um, she's in that. I saw that Anthony Ramos is in the new Transformer movie. What? Because they're Did still we making Transformer him? movies. I think so, and I think that's how we yeah. ended up in a Transformer movie. Mm. Um, okay. <laughs> previously in the Heights, yes. I'm like again, no teen. I'm very sassy this morning. No teen, no shade. But to go from in the Heights to, <laughs> to the friggin' fiftieth Transformer movie. <laughs> yeah, but he cheated on his wife, so I don't feel that bad. Yeah. Don't cheat on your wife and then you won't have to star in the Transformer movie. The one hundred and eighty. <laughs> the natural outcome movie. of cheating on your wife is obviously starring in a Transformers movie. Everyone knows that. Is that not what happens? To cheat? <laughs> to everyone? Right. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. All right. Let's get into our favorites. So I have a favorite that's been consistent for like, I don't know if I ever brought this up in like one of our winter episodes, but I feel like it's been consistent for me for like multiple winters now. And I don't know if I've ever explicitly said it, although it does not really make sense for me to be bringing up today because today is a very weirdly warm. It's like one of those like 60 degrees in February days. Um, But it is the Uniqlo heat tech line, just like across the board. I have Mm -hmm. a pair of their leggings. I have... One like crew 
um, shirt and then like a bunch of turtlenecks. And I wear them like literally all the time. And I was like, well, I never talked about this. Sorry. Um, sorry. <laughs> bless, <laughs> bless you. Um, um, and so, yeah, they're basically just like, I guess they're probably polyester. I'm not sure I could look at the material, but they're just like super thin, super warm. Uh, like they're not even undergarments. Like they look fine to be worn as normal clothes, but I wear them under stuff. Um, and I mostly wear them under like cashmere because cashmere is kind of itchy and you're not supposed to wash it very often. So it's nice to have like a layer kind of like lining in between. Then you wash that and not the cashmere. Um, and yeah, I just, I literally wear them all the time. And I was like, why have I never talked about this? So it's pretty affordable. Like I think the leggings are like between 20 and 30 and probably same goes for like uh, the shirts. So if you live in a colder place, it's nice to just like be able to layer with them. And they're super um, like discreet uh under things like they they can be obvious if you want they're really easy to hide if you just want it as a layer and i'm a big fan i don't really have a lot from uniqlo but this is like the main items from my collection that are from there and i do like them so maybe i should give them more of a try yeah i have to i have to invest and look into this because i'm a big like leggings under like i'll layer leggings under jeans but Mm -hmm. then they're it's just like uncomfortable because obviously they're not like made yeah layering these ones are Um, like super thin like long john kind of vibe yeah yeah so i should i should look into it i do have the like fleece line tights those have been a Mm -hmm. game changer this winter i'll be honest Mm -hmm. but i'll have to look into it um my favorite this week is hello fresh uh not sponsored yeah i know literally everyone's (laughs) sponsored by hello fresh i'm like please sponsor us we're nice girls and they use your product every week uh no but i i don't know why in my mind i was like hello fresh is super expensive and it's like it it costs money i think it's like 50 bucks a week for me right now and so that's like a lot but that's also how much i was spending if not more at a grocery store and i easily i'm on the three meal plan and because it's meant for two people since I'm using it by myself, I easily get six meals out of it. That's like my lunches mm-hmm. and dinners for the whole week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have just been really enjoying it. Most of the time I find that I get more than two servings. Like all of the soups and stuff, you get easily three servings out of it um, or two ginormous servings. But I can't eat soup like that. I'd be, I'd still be eating the soup if I ate the true two <laughs> servings. Um, and I've just been really enjoying it. I'm a horrible cook. A fun fact about me is I'm not good in the kitchen. I, I'm more of a baker. I'm not super intuitive when it comes to cooking. I like to be told what to do. Yeah. If I'm not told what to do, I do, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Uh, I freeze. So it, like the whole idea, if you haven't heard of HelloFresh, if you're living under a rock, uh, the whole idea is that they like send you pre-portioned ingredients for certain recipes with a recipe card and you follow the recipe card with those pre-portioned ingredients and you make a really good meal. And I'll tell you what, I've like gotten a little experimental and gotten meals that I'm like, uh, I don't know if I'm going to like this. Let's find mm-hmm. out. Or it has like ingredients that I don't particularly love. But I'm like, but it sounds good overall. So let me try it out. And I genuinely haven't disliked any meal that yeah. I've gotten and I've done it for like three or four weeks now so that's what like 12 meals that I've tried and there's um, always like discounts on discounts I feel like oh so like yeah. you never really pay full price 
you might have like a code, I bet. If you if you go into like your account, I bet you might have like a referral we could put in the description maybe. Yeah. I will look and if I do have one, I'll put it in the description. But I think you're probably right. Yeah. They like – there's always discounts. I literally got something in the mail the other day that was like, apply this to your yeah. orders. I was like, all right. Um, so yeah. So it's pretty affordable. I've had no issues with like all the produce comes completely fresh and it, it lasts um, – like, the idea is that you get it once a week, and there's been times where I've pushed it and, like, made a recipe at, like, the tail end of the week, like, a good six days after it arrived to me, and the ingredients are all still, mm-hmm. like, fine and fresh. So, yeah, I highly recommend, especially with grocery prices really expensive. It's, like, pretty comparable, yeah. and then all you have to buy at the grocery store is, like, stuff for breakfast, which tends to be, like, on the cheaper side, and I don't know. I, I love breakfast, so I just – have an abundance of breakfast items Mm -hmm. in my home at all times so i haven't like physically gone to a grocery store in like weeks other than to like go in and grab like one or two things yeah so that's been nice i actually have to go to the grocery store today though to get stuff for the brunch so oh yes i'm having a brunch tomorrow um yeah it's like shocking i pretty much only go to trader joe's and if like we need anything from like a different grocery store that's usually when grant will do it but I tend to just do most of our shopping at Trader Joe's and fill in the gaps where we need. So I went to Star Market for the first time in a while because Trader Joe's opens late. Like it doesn't open till nine. So I needed to go yeah. uh, somewhere else. And I was I felt like it was so much like more expensive. Like I feel like yeah. in Trader Joe's, I was like, yeah, inflation is for sure a thing, but it's not as like noticeable there, I would say. But yeah. at Star Market, I felt like literally every item I was buying, no matter what it was, was $6. Like literally everything. I was like, I got salsa, $6. Yeah. I got eggs, $6. I was like, what? Yeah, it is wild. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you feel like you are learning like techniques you will implement outside of your HelloFresh experience? Like, have you learned tips and cooking techniques that you'll try without their ingredients? Um, that's a good I feel like that's question. part of the appeal too. Is like you kind of get more comfortable and stuff. I would say I feel more like confident overall in the kitchen like I the first couple times that I made a HelloFresh meal I was like what if I mess it up royally but there's literally like no way to mess it up I don't Unless know how you, like, it burn is. everything I guess that's like the only thing yeah <laughs> but like if you follow the instructions like you literally cannot mess it up um so I feel like I have been gaining more confidence I don't mm-hmm. necessarily know if I have gained enough confidence to be like oh I could do this you like can't just like whip up recipe. a French onion soup separately yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's like I had no confidence in the kitchen whatsoever. And now at least I'm like, okay, I can like settle into this groove of knowing that when I pull this out, it'll come out good and mm-hmm. I'll be fine. And then who knows, maybe like a month from now I'll be like, okay, I feel a little more confident. Let me try – like I made this type of meal. Let me try making it this way. Um, yeah. Like I last night I made a stromboli. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, that's, like, a really good example of, like, oh, I could make that with, like, different fillings. It was a yeah. spinach and mushroom stromboli. But I'm, like, now that I understand, like, the technique, I could easily make, like, I don't know, a peppers and onions yeah. stromboli or something like that. That actually yeah. sounds delicious. Because I feel like that sounds, that. like, the main appeal to me is, like, yes, you get these recipes that you do actually use for that week. But I think it would be interesting to just, like, learn 
be almost like given cooking assignments and then you kind of yeah. have like you like learn over time and then you know you're more independent you don't always have to do HelloFresh. you can like buy the stuff yourself if you want anyways yeah, yeah. um we are going to take a quick ad break and then we will be back to get real about career work If you know anything about our show, you know Anya and I really prioritize our health, sustainability, and building a community around the things that young women go through. That's why we feel so lucky to have met and interviewed Katie Diosti in 2020, a Gen Z entrepreneur, overall badass, and founder of Viv for Your V, who we are so proud to partner with on this episode. Viv is an earth-friendly period care subscription brand created to bring sustainable and clean products to the hands of menstruators. Something crazy that I personally didn't know is that the average menstrual pad is equal to about four plastic bags and can take up to 800 years to break down. Yeah, and this is a big deal because a menstruator can use anywhere from 5,000 and 15,000 disposable period care products in their cycle's lifetime. And at any time, 800 million menstruators are on their period right now. That's why we feel really great about using Viv's bamboo-based products. Bamboo uses a quarter the amount of water, less land and fertilizers, and is naturally hypoallergenic, breathable, and actually more absorbent than cotton. It's so crazy to know that with every Viv box, you can save 643 pounds of CO2, 607 gallons of water, and 48 plastic bags from entering a landfill. Another problem that Viv is solving for is access to products when you need them the most. I think we can all relate to having that oh shit moment and realizing you're going to have to make a CVS run on top of all the things you're already dealing with. With their subscription-based model, it's so easy to choose how often you want your products delivered and have them on hand so you can conquer more. They have products for every type of period, from pads and liners to tampons and even menstrual cups. Viv totally converted me to a cup user. I love that it's zero waste, reusable, and lasts up to 10 years. Plus, the ring on their cup is a total game changer. You guys have to try it. We personally feel amazing about the way we're treating our bodies, the planet, and supporting a clean, sustainable, and women and minority-owned business all at the same time. Use the code and the link in our bio to shop the Viv website with 20% off, and definitely check out our episode with Katie to learn even more. And now, hotties, back to the episode. Work, 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 work. They call me Rihanna. Uh, it's actually Rihanna. That's how she says it. Yeah, Rihanna. Which makes sense because it's spelled with two N's, and that's normally how you read Anna, so checks out yeah true. true 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 anyways we're back and we are going to talk about getting real about career we have some potential hot takes that we want to start out with uh, i feel like i've just collected yeah. all these opinions as i've been in the workforce for the last few years and i need somewhere to <laughs> yeah. need somewhere to throw them so here we are yeah <laughs> and then we're gonna get into the kind of framework for navigating difficult conversations so yeah first of all I feel like, especially women, I feel like growing up, you're told to like choose work you love, you know? Mm -hmm. And I don't know. It's interesting because I think that is a change from like the boomer mentality where, you know, they kind of just became whatever they were innately good at. Like if you're good at numbers, they're like, oh, you're an accountant. Like, you know, that kind of stuff. Like I think it was a good societal shift to also consider things you love, but I think mm -hmm. it's gone a little too far in that like a lot of a lot of women end up kind of doing things that they love in their personal lives as their career whether it's like maybe they love kids so they become a teacher like you know things like that and yeah they neglect to consider that like another big reason that you have a job is to prioritize like a lifestyle that you love and knowing mm -hmm. that that's okay and i feel like that's almost been like frowned upon in recent years cuz like there's this whole trope of like you have to love your work like you're going to do it for the rest of your life and it's like well, you also have to love 
the benefits, the salary, like the the lifestyle that you're able to afford with the work that you do. Yeah. And I just feel like that's not – we need to find a balance. Like I feel like we haven't found the balance of that yet. Like the boomers had to just like do – like work is work kind of thing. And then mm-hmm. I feel like the next generation was like, oh, but like choose something you love because you do it every day. And it's like, okay, that's good progress. But like we also have to find – you got to find the happy medium between the two. And I think it's – yeah okay to prioritize choosing a lifestyle you love over the day-to-day if that makes sense and I don't know if that's a hot take but it might no, be I mean I agree with it but we might be the only two that agree with it because <laughs> um, I also think like another thing that kind of lumps into this is the idea that like if you make something that you're really passionate about your job sometimes not all the time it like once it becomes a job and once there's like financial incentives tied to it or financial like uh like having to rely on the money that you make from it yeah thank you um that can take away some of the fun and some of what you love from it so then you just end up back to like well i'm i'm just working for work and And i now i don't even have a hobby that i like you know yeah exactly uh so i think i think you definitely need to like your work i think it's a very fair argument that like you're doing it for the rest of your life so you want to at least enjoy it to some extent but I think it's okay if you simply enjoy it and then have other things that you enjoy more uh outside of your nine to five um yeah work work is work but work doesn't have to but yeah work doesn't have to be like your number one favorite thing that you do in your life. Arguably, it shouldn't be yeah. <laughs> the number one favorite thing that you do in your life. Yeah. It should be like number like seven <laughs> list of ten. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because I was thinking about how my mom worked somewhere for years, like almost a decade, um, and ended up getting laid off back in 2021. And when she was looking for a new job, something that she does on the side and has for a super long time is eBay, like eBay reselling. So like clothes, jewelry, house, like homeware kind of stuff. And I was like, why don't you just do that full time? Like you like it, you, you know, love to go to all these estate sales and thrift things. And, you know, you're really good at it. Like you made a genuine like side hustle money. So maybe now that you're able to do it like full time, why don't you just do that? And she was like, I don't want to, I don't want to make it my job. Like she was like, I enjoy it. I have fun. If I make it my job, it won't be fun anymore. And I was like, yeah. At the time, I kind of was like, I don't know, lady, like I wouldn't get another job if I were you, but she did. And I'm like, it, it makes more sense now. I feel like that I've yeah. had this like perspective shift. And I'm like, good for you holding those boundaries and yeah. like keeping the things you like, just the things you like and not yeah, always. Fun. I mean, obviously she's been making money from it, but it's not like her full-time income and it's fine if you're, yeah. it's fine if the things you enjoy are not your full-time income. I feel like there's like yeah. so much discourse around like monetize everything like you can monetize your hobbies like side hustle and it's like well or just don't like yeah (laughs) yeah or you can do it in like a very passive way like we monetize the podcast but we're not making we we can't quit our full-time jobs (laughs) by any means right but like it's nice to like have like a basically like a podcast savings account Mm -hmm. um to like reinvest into it without it being like oh my god like if the podcast isn't doing well then our income for the month yeah. basically shifts or, you know. Well, whatever. and it's like that can affect your like self-worth with whatever passion oh, project yeah. you're doing too. Like if we did have to rely on it and we saw 
how much money we were making as like success or failure, then I don't know. I just feel like that would change everything about it. Whereas like, if you just do it for fun, you just putting it out there is success. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Good point. So, um, um, another hot take I wanted to bring up is like, I'm realizing, you know, I feel like when you're, when you're growing up and maybe this is also because I went to Northeastern, which is like a super career minded school compared to most. Um, but like, I feel like everyone is like almost, um, groomed to want to be like a leader (laughs) in whatever field they're in. Like you're kind of told like, you want to start at this level and you want to get promoted within this many years and you want to be managing people within this many years. And I just feel like not everyone wants like a like capital C career or like to truly Mm -hmm. climb the corporate ladder in the traditional sense. Like not everyone wants to like, especially like manage other people. Like maybe you just like you're an analyst and you just like analyzing stuff and you don't really want to have to manage someone else analyzing stuff. (laughs) But it's like, that's the natural trajectory of like how careers tend to work is like the more senior you get, the more responsible for like other people you are versus just your own, um, you know, plate of things. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like we just need to normalize, like not everyone wants to be a leader and that's okay. Like you, not everyone can be. You need some people that are actually the ones like cranking out the work. And I feel like they don't get as like yeah. valued as much as people that are in leadership and have like a shiny title or whatever. But it's like literally the day-to-day of the company would not be happening if that leader didn't have the whole team of analysts that are just doing their own work. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Which is – yeah. And it's so interesting. I'm like not to drop a personal antidote, but the guy that said this to me is no longer at my company, so I can say it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like I I was kind of told at one point in my job that I was just a taskmaster. And I was told this in somewhat of a negative way. Mm-hmm. And upon reflecting, I'm like, well, who else would have gotten that stuff done? Yeah. Like, like does that not sound like me doing my job? is completing the tasks that I'm told to do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Especially with – this is kind of a tangent, but, like, if you are someone who wants to get promoted and put into leadership roles, like, there's this weird notion that you basically have to start acting that role in advance of getting promoted. And I'll get into this a little bit later, but I just kind of think that's bullshit. I'm like, I'm really good at what I do and I show in other ways that I – could be and will be successful in a leadership position like that should be enough I shouldn't have to start taking on this role yeah at my current salary yeah to um yeah to to prove that I deserve this promotion but unfortunately that's not how that works yeah no I like 100% agree and like some companies are so much more aggressive about this than others like I remember we were talking to our friend Anna and she was saying like it is And it's good that it's clearly communicated, I guess. Like, I will give them credit Mm -hmm. for that. But, like, it's pretty clearly communicated that, like, you need to be doing the functions of the promotion you desire for, like, six months before you're even, like, considered Mm -hmm. for the promotion. And it's, like, that's just so – that's, like, literally – what is the word? Yes, that's the word I was looking for. Like, (laughs) it's literally just, like, exploiting employees and getting them to do more and be paid less. Like, it's just – I don't know. It's so shitty, I feel like. Um, And I feel lucky that I think my – my company were super small. So like we can, we don't have to have all of these like super, um, I guess 
transparent steps to like climb the corporate ladder yet. And we will get to a point where that's the case. But I do feel like potential is um, is the main driving factor in like the promotion decisions that get made and like seeing how you follow through on things that you are given and knowing that that's applicable beyond the tasks you're doing now, which is like all it should be, you know, like it should be, it should just be kind of like trust and kind of like confidence in the person, not, you don't have to Mm -hmm. see them literally do the day to day, I feel like of the job, but that's how it tends to work, which is ridiculous. Yeah. I'm like, but apparently we're wrong about that. Yeah. Anyways, get us into leadership positions (laughs) and then we'll change it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, sorry. That was a tangent. What I also want to say on this is that uh, for most of us working a nine to five, uh, we're not saving lives, right? You know, the world's going to keep spinning. Uh, the birds are going to keep chirping, whether we complete our to-do list or not. Um, and we literally lived through COVID where we were told for most of us that our jobs were not essential. <laughs> so that should like click Internalize that one. <laughs> yeah. Like really think about that. Sit long and hard and think about that. <laughs> And if the next time that you feel like a panic attack coming on related to work, you're not saving lives. It's really Mm -hmm. okay. I actually, the CEO of my company basically said that to me. Like we are talking about just like the year and, you know, we're do my company specifically investing a lot in marketing, which is the team that I'm on. And he was like, you know, there's definitely a lot of pressure there. Like I'm investing a lot. So I want to see results. And he was like, but also like it's marketing. Like you're not saving lives. He was like, it's not worth you losing sleep or like completely stressing yourself out over he was like so if that's happening tell me but otherwise like let's just hit the ground running and I was like you know what this is why I work for this company (laughs) because you got a good head on your shoulders and it's so true like it's so if if you're not working in an ER you're not saving lives so it's okay yeah and we don't say that to like make your job feel less valid or important but it's like no it should make you it should be comforting to know that like no matter how bad you feel like you messed up or you perceive that you're not a good employee like it's not a big deal like no matter what you're worried about it's not a huge deal it's not a fire it'll be fine like that tiktok sounds like not a fire we work in marketing like true yeah 100 percent um and i don't really feel like this fits here but i don't really know where to put it so i'm just gonna say it now um, I feel like there's something that I've been trying to instill in like the interns and stuff that like we bring onto the team is like work-life balance from a very early age. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's interesting because, you know, like they they want to appear available. They want to appear like eager. And so they're like, oh, like I, I was like, I recommend like you can go into Slack and you can turn off your notifications outside of nine to five. Like if I were you, I would do that. You know, it's not your job to be worried about slacks. You get at 8 PM, you're an intern, like you'll get to it tomorrow. Like just, you know, set that boundary. And it's interesting. Cause it's like, I feel like I almost get pushback from them and they're like, Oh, but it's fine. Like, I don't mind checking slack at whatever time. And I'm like, yes, you do. You mind. I was like, do <laughs> yeah. not go down this rabbit hole this early. Like you are not paid enough to care this much. And that's a point we'll get into later. But I just think it's yeah. interesting how like you, they, you want to be impressive. And so you want to, seem super available and like eager but like that's um that's a slippery slope for like the rest of your career so like when you start somewhere like I feel like it's so important like literally the first like week is so important to like setting the boundaries of like how people will work with you for the rest of the time you're there like the way you behave the first week if you're answering emails at 8 p.m the first week people are gonna assume that's normal for you and like start expecting it and so you gotta like immediately set your boundaries I feel like and I'm 
I don't know. I was just thinking about that. Yeah. It's true, true. Work-life balance. It's it's yeah. a it's a tough one, and it's interesting because it um, yesterday I actually served on this like panel for um, intern hiring at Northeastern, and I felt like all of my takes were so different than there was like this woman, and you know she was like boomer age, I would say, not in a bad way, but just mm-hmm. that's how she was, and she worked at like a financial firm, and so I feel like she was kind of coming with like the most conservative possible perspective on like all this stuff, and I would be like devil's advocate i think this <laughs> i was like Please. from the startup perspective actually that's fine <laughs> um so yeah just obviously everything's framed in the type of work environment that you're in but um, yeah yeah anyways getting on to our next actual point we wanted to talk about yes um performance reviews boo they boo. suck they're stressful they can be good. They can be bad. Like everyone's had a good performance review. Everyone will have a more negative performance review throughout like the course of their career. It's just like natural and it's inevitable. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not a reflection of you the majority of the time. It's a reflection of kind of the trajectory that maybe your department is in or the resources you're given or how your manager has, you know, managed you over the last year. Like it's not just a you thing. And I want to be super clear about that. But I think one thing that I wanted to bring up specifically is like, there's always this, um, there's always this expectation to well uh, exceed expectations. I don't want to. I'm trying to think of a different <laughs> word so that I use expectations all the time. But um, there's this standard. It's like the norm. Yeah, yeah. There's a standard that you want to be graded essentially on your performance review as exceeding expectations, and like that's just BS because you should be able to meet expectations and have them be happy with you because that's what they hire yeah. you to do is to meet their expectations. Like. And this gets back to like, not everyone wants to climb the ladder and be a leader. And that's fine. Like that shouldn't be viewed as lesser than because not everyone wants to exceed expectations. And if literally everyone exceeds expectations, then that's just the new expectation. That's just the new standard that everyone's held to. So it's just like crazy. And I'm not saying like, don't be a good employee, but like, if all you want to do is meet the tasks in your job description and that's it, that should not be like a bad thing. That should still be a win for you and for the company. So I just, yeah, I hate that like framing of it all. Yeah, I agree. And then kind of to go off of your point on like your review, a negative review stems from like a bunch of different streams essentially. To an extent, your job's responsibility is to give you the tools that you need to be successful and to meet or exceed Mm -hmm. those expectations. Um you shouldn't feel the need to like always hit the ground running or be the one that's being proactive. And it's such a hard balance to strike. Like I've been given advice before of like, you should just do tasks and present them. And nine out of 10 times, nothing will happen from them or they'll get transferred to someone else or they'll get completely torn to shreds. And by the time that the finalized product is there, it's not even recognizable as the thing that you created, but like at least they can't say that you didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. And like, unfortunately, I think in the environment that we work in, it's true. And also what an inefficient way to have your employees use their time. Like if we really think about like wanting – most companies I think would argue that they want their employees to be as efficient as possible. That like if my CEO found out that that's what I was doing, he'd be like, well, what the hell? 
Yeah. No. Why aren't we but giving like her kind of discreet assignments to spend her time on that are actually of value yeah. to the company? Or guidance. Like, <laughs> or yeah. like, yeah, at least rough expectations of like, here is what we expect you to be proactive on. Mm-hmm. But it, and it's, yeah, I, I could go on and on because then it turns into someone telling you what to do and then you're back to that like taskmaster, which is somehow a negative thing. Yeah. The cycle never ends. So it really, yeah. But yeah, and I think I personally had an experience where I was told that like I was expected to be proactive with certain things and then was given no runway to actually be proactive. I wasn't included in meetings that would have allowed me to make right acceptable deliverables. I wasn't kept up to date on process changes or updates to what we were planning to do. Um I, yeah, I just – I wasn't given any, like, freedom to actually do the things and then was told that I wasn't proactive enough. And I'm mm-hmm. like, well, if you had given me literally any space to do those things, but by the time I even found out that it was a thing that we needed, it was done. So yeah. why am I going to then turn around and be like, well, I made my own version and I need to use <laughs> this one. And yeah. then I'd be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> then would you have said, well, but you were proactive, so good job. It's just it's- – yeah. Like, there's so many problems with, like, not – people not having, like, a proper bird's eye view on, like, what everyone is doing. And mm-hmm. I think, like – I talked about this in another episode sort of recently, but, like, productivity is literally output versus input. And, like, mm-hmm. if companies want their employees to be productive, which, you know, same with efficiency, I imagine they all would, they should want to maximize how much input they, you know – are able to give you to how much output you have. And so much, so many times that you feel like you haven't delivered or like you've failed, it's an opportunity to look back and be like, was I given the input that I needed to be successful here? And that's not to say like, you never just like, just always like cast blame on others. Like it's never your fault. Like I'm sure sometimes there's, you know, shared blame in situations, but like a lot of times it's that you weren't set up for success. So like, just don't neglect like that piece of the puzzle. Like your job is supposed to help yeah. you be successful. So if you feel like you're just kind of like thrown to the wolves and like not given direction or like feedback, it's just like not a good environment for like anyone. So yeah. Um, yeah. And then the last thing which we touched on a little bit earlier is just act your salary. I think this was like a big mindset shift that I had. Mm-hmm. Like I think when I first started – my job, especially because we're such a small team and we're trying to do so much, like I would literally keep myself up at night, just like worried about my to-do list the next day. And I just like one day just was like, I don't get paid enough to do this. I don't get paid enough yeah. to worry to this extent. I'm not a, like, I'm not a CEO. Like I'm not going to be financially ruined if this company like goes out of business. Like I'm like, I need to like relax. Um, yeah. And just like odds are in general, your job isn't paying you enough for the effort and the stress that you're putting in. So Certainly, like, do your job, you know, be there nine to five, follow through on things that are asked of you, but just, like, act accordingly. Like, don't let it – don't let it interrupt other aspects of your life because it's not worth that. And even if you are getting paid a lot, it's still not worth that. Like, you deserve your peace and your separation and, yeah, it's just – Yeah. Boundaries, it all comes back. It really does. Um. But yeah, so those are our hot takes. Let us know if you agree or disagree. We yeah. love a, a discourse. I think this is very um, much like Gen Z becomes old enough to start being managers <laughs> type of <yeah>. discourse. <laughs> yeah. But it's like obviously every generation is going to iterate on what past ones have done. Like this isn't to like 
say that, you know, boomers, you know, cast blame. They made a terrible environment. It's yeah. like we're all learning more as humans work more in like this capitalistic society. And like, why wouldn't we want to make changes to make it better for everyone? And I think it's interesting because yeah. I do I do notice a certain level of like resentment from older generations that are like not willing to change or like see things done differently than the way that they did it. And it's like, why wouldn't you want it to be better for everyone? You just want people to suffer the way you did? What? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, we could we'll make a whole separate episode on hot takes about boomers. But. <laughs> that would actually be funny. Yeah, I'm sure they have hot takes about uh, us too. So yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so now moving into navigating more difficult situations at work um, or conversations that may need to be had at work. Like we said, this is inevitable. It's going to happen in your career at some point whether you're on the receiving end of a difficult situation or conversation or whether you're the one that has to initiate it. Uh, So it's best to just like be prepared and have a couple of pointers in mind uh, for when that's come or if you've already had a couple of situations, like a good way to reflect on what you did well and what you could do better next time around to make it the Mm -hmm. most productive conversation possible. So our first tip is don't wait to address the topic Try to discuss it, you know, as soon as possible. And I think this, like, both as the person giving the conversation, you want to don't – it's easy to be like, oh, I'll push that off because you don't want to do it. You're like, oh, yeah. I, I'm going to push this off. I'm not going to prioritize it. It's very easy to do that. But on the receiving end and as someone who has been on the receiving end, it is so much better and is received so much better the sooner that you do it because the longer you wait, the more you are sort of allowing for that other person to like wonder and speculate if, Mm -hmm. you know, their job has been on the line for weeks, if they've been disappointing or um, not meeting expectations for a while. Like you don't want to put someone in that position of like insecurity when it comes to their job you'd and also from like an efficiency standpoint if someone Mm -hmm. isn't meeting expectations in a certain way the sooner you tell them the sooner they'll be able to start meeting those expectations and then better deliverables will come out of it better work will come out of it so do it sooner than later don't don't hold off don't wait just just rip the band-aid off it'll be fine you'll be fine yeah this is like feedback that i have to hear time and time again from my manager for the people that I manage. And those are just Mm -hmm. interns. So it's like nothing super high stakes or anything like that. It's not like full-time employees, but like I did one time have like a more difficult person that I was managing and I, you never want to have the hard conversations because it's not fun. It sucks for both people. And so, um, yeah, like I would just kind of be like, oh, if it happens again, I'll address it. And my manager literally had to be like, no, like you need to say something like in that moment or it's not going to resonate. And not not only is it not going to resonate, but also it's going to feel much more pointed, if that makes sense. So like if you – if someone's doing something over and over, let's say they're like – just for sake of an example, like sending a calendar invite wrong, right? They don't know how to do it. They keep messing it up. If you could just say the first time that you notice that they sent it wrong, hey, just so you know, this is how you do it. Show them, whatever. Rather than being like – you get to the next one-to-one and you're like – you have sent calendar invites wrong six times this week. Here's all the evidence. Look at all the times you've done it wrong. Like it feels so much more of like an attack, if that makes sense, Yeah. to wait and to let it build up than rather just like nip it in the bud, like right away, you know? Yeah. Um, and kind of on this, on this note, like it can be helpful to kind of like, if you're especially the one leading this hard conversation, like 
set a talking point, send a note in advance so that no one feels blindsided. I think everyone's had that like panic moment or like at least seen that, that panic moment on like social media when like you just randomly get an invite from your manager for like the end of the day with no context and you're like, okay, am I literally getting laid off? Like, what is this? <laughs> um, and so you don't want to like make people worry that in that way. So even if it's just like a line on calendar invites, like <laughs> a line on miscommunication, like just add some context <laughs> to the yeah. meeting and that allows it to be more efficient to all of our, you know, point that like you can both be a little more prepared and you won't feel blindsided. And I guess yeah. this is maybe different if you actually are like laying someone off, like you don't want maybe to yeah. warn them about that. Cause that's just anxiety inducing. But like um, for the most part, if you're just kind of trying to like resolve a conflict or like a situation, like, it's better for them to know so that they can come in with like their perspective instead of you being prepared and them not. It's like not a fair dynamic. You know what I mean? To yeah. to have them not have a chance to also prepare their thoughts. So, yeah. yeah, good point. And then also if you are the person sort of leading the conversation, make sure that you do your homework, like map out some talking points for yourself that you want to bring up so that you don't forget anything in the conversation. Because obviously, once you start talking with the person, they'll bring up different points. Um, mm-hmm. And so if there's things that really need to be addressed, make sure that you jot those down and don't leave the meeting without talking about them. But definitely don't script it. That can come off very like ingenuine and just it, – it's a conversation at the end of the day. You don't know what the other person's going to say or how they're going to react or anything like that. So you're kind of – wasting your time and getting yourself all like riled up over how this conversation is going to go by scripting it just like jot down the five main things that need to get discussed um and and you should be good yeah most of the time it's pretty obvious when people like script things out like word for word so you don't want to be that person um the next tip in this kind of like framework is to focus on the facts of the situation over how they might make you feel and it's interesting because I feel like this is actually kind of different than like um a personal conflict like I think in a personal conflict you're allowed to say you know you did this and that made me feel this way and that's like super valid you know either way not to say it's not valid in a work setting but it's just not going to lead to like as professional or like productive of an outcome or like a conversation so You know, like going back to this calendar invite example, like, you know, if we say like that makes it harder for us to be on the same page about scheduling instead of that annoys me, like that's just yeah. a way more productive way and a way more um, it, it shows the effects a lot clearer if you're talking about like business yeah. results of things than, than like the way you feel about them. And kind of on the same note, like focus on if you're talking about like an issue with like a process or something like that, like focus on that process. Don't ever turn it to like people or like other coworkers or say, oh, well, that's because blank's not good at their job. Like you got to keep it. You got to even if that's how you really feel on the inside, I'm sure we've all been in that boat. um, You got to keep it tight to like the processes and, and more like the the workflows and all of that over like other employees, unfortunately, for the most part. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, the next thing is to remember that there's a difference between acknowledgement and agreement. So you don't have to reach a consensus, but you do have to understand each other's positions. And I actually saw a video, um, it was talking about relationships and like the number one reason that relationships, long-term relationships break up is because one or both parties don't feel seen and acknowledged in Mm -hmm. the relationship. And like the whole idea was like, 
you guys do not have to agree on everything. In fact, you shouldn't agree on everything because that's just not how being a human being works. Um, But where a problem actually lies is when a partner feels like they their stance and their point of view isn't being acknowledged and respected as Mm -hmm. like a valid point of view. And obviously a work relationship and a personal relationship is different. But I think a lot of that like stands. Like if you feel like your boss or your coworker, whoever it is, understands where you're coming from and respects it and just has a difference of opinion in how to get there or yeah, then that's okay. That's just two different – like that you're human beings. You're going to want to do things different ways. Where tension and resentment and issues lie is if you feel like you're being like steamrolled or like everything – it's their way or the highway all of the time Mm -hmm. um, and your ideas and perspectives aren't being acknowledged or respected um, in any sort of way. So I think that that's really important to fostering like a healthy – and productive work environment. Yeah, like 100% agree. Um, my Our next tip is to come with a solution proposed, but also be open to like brainstorming together and the fact that they might have mm-hmm. another solution like you were just saying. And I think this is also something that has been instilled in me by my manager. Like this was feedback that I got early on was like, you know, oftentimes when you don't know what to do early on in your career, what do you do? You go to your manager. That's the right thing to do. That's what you're told to do. But if you aren't proposing a solution to the problem, it can just feel like you're always throwing your problems at them and kind of looking to mm-hmm. some higher up to deal with it, basically. And I didn't. It took me a while to like understand that perspective. And I don't think it was really until I had people reporting to me that I understood it more. Because it's like, you know, oh, I don't know. The calendar invites aren't working. And it's like, Okay, like <laughs> what like what are what steps are you going to take to solve that problem? And so I think always kind of like approaching conversations like this with a little bit of a framework of like what is the crux of the problem? What are possible things we could do? And what is the solution that I personally given my domain, my expertise, my position would recommend we do? Just like coming with a proposed solution makes these conversations so much more productive. And if they say, "Oh, actually, you know, you think solution C is best. I actually think solution B is best." And you can talk that through, but at least you're coming with like a resolution. I think if you don't come to these conversations with any sort of like ideal outcome, then it's just like it's you're talking in circles. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, propose a solution, but also be open that they might have a different one in mind. So yeah. be open to like brainstorming that. Yeah. No, I think that's great. And then our last tip is to find regular pathways to stay engaged on the topic or have opportunities for feedback. And this like Honestly, I feel like a lot of the times the onus falls on, you know, whoever was on the receiving end of the negative – I shouldn't say negative, but the more difficult conversation, Um, especially if you think of it from, like, the dynamic of your boss and, you know, the person reporting to them. But a lot of the times people in higher up positions, they're just busy and they have their own tasks at hand. And, yes, they're managing you, but I've learned that – they're not necessarily going to give feedback when it makes the most sense to give yeah. feedback. Especially if they're so not like a super seasoned manager, you know? Yeah. So don't be afraid to be the person asking for feedback. I think most managers or bosses 
would rather you constantly ask for that feedback because it shows that you care and that you want to keep getting better at your job Mm -hmm. than not bring it up. Like you're not going to annoy them. If you have like a one-to-one with your manager, use that time to, you know, make sure that you have 15 minutes at the end of your allotted time or 10 minutes or five minutes, whatever it is, to be like, hey, how are things going? What do you think I can do? What am I doing well? What do you think I can do better? Just ask those questions. And if your manager gets annoyed at you asking for feedback, then that's probably a a sign of a deeper rooted problem. Because most managers should want their uh, direct reports to succeed. And the only way to succeed is to get regular and consistent feedback. So don't be afraid to ask. Like that should be something that's drilled into them as managers, but unfortunately it's not. not. (laughs) Yeah. And it sucks that sometimes it has to fall on the person reporting to them to do that work, but you'll be better. Like everything about your relationship with them will be better off if you ask those hard questions. Um, And don't be upset if they actually give you feedback when you ask. I think that's like another element (laughs) too is like, you know, sometimes you feel like you're asking for feedback and like that's enough, but it's like they might actually have feedback to give you and like, don't be upset to hear it. You know what I mean? Like you're, they're trying to better you. They're in a way kind of giving you, I know it's hard. This is like an annoying analogy, but in a way they're kind of giving you a gift for like future career you to consider and get better. And it's never easy to hear like feedback in the moment. But like I said, you know, when I got that feedback of like, you can't keep throwing problems without solutions. Now I'm like two years out from getting that feedback. And I'm like, I totally see that. Like that makes so much sense. And now I can pass that lesson on to other people. So um, yeah, just career stuff is hard. It can feel personal. It's never personal. Yeah. yeah, It's never a reflection of like your self-worth as a human being. We're all just trying to make it here on this tiny rock. And unfortunately, in order to make it in this capitalistic society, we have to Please. have jobs. <laughs> so yeah. I don't want down with jobs. What's that, tweet? What's that tweet? I don't I don't want to do my two factor authentication. Yeah. I just want to feed an apple to a horse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I don't want to work. I just want to lay in a field and eat berries. Like Yeah. <laughs> and it's okay if you feel that way. Normalize that. Not yeah. everyone wants to work. Yeah. In fact, most people don't want to work. Let's yep. be real. Let's, Let's be, be real. <laughs> But yeah, I don't I don't need to be real. I need to be retired. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> but anyways, we hope you found this episode helpful. Um, hopefully our perspectives, uh, you, you saw a bit of your own experiences and our perspectives and can apply it as such. And with that, we, you should follow us on Instagram. I was like, I forget our whole ending spiel. Mm-hmm. You should follow us on Instagram at two degrees hotter. Uh, like and subscribe and rate us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It helps us out a ton. Leave us any advice you need in our anonymous suggestion box. And with that, we'll chat with you guys next Tuesday. Bye, everyone.